Hello and welcome back to Tech UK's podcast. My name is Jess and I'm the program manager for the Justice and Emergency Services program here at Tech UK. This month's topic is collaboration for local public services. We will be taking a look at some successful local collaborative projects, as well as taking the conversation wider to understand what the supplier community can do to support current ambition, as well as create the conditions for greater collaboration in the future. Joining me today will be Georgina Maratheftis, who is Head of Local Government here at Tech UK, Mayen Liao, who's Head of Digital Delivery at Southwark Council, and Mark Goosens, IBM's Client Director for Home Office and Police in the UK, but who also chairs Tech UK's Interoperability for Policing initiative. So my first guest today is Georgina Maratheftis of Tech UK. Hi Georgina. Hi Jess. Would you mind introducing yourself and, and telling us a bit about what you do here at Tech UK? Yeah, sure. Thank you, Jess. So I'm head of local public services here at Tech UK. So I work with our members active and looking to break into the local public services market and also with local authorities and also services across the local ecosystem so working very closely with you Jess in regards to um, emergency services so our mission is really how can we as industry better work together and also with local public services to create the conditions for meaningful and successful transformation we realize as suppliers we also have a key role um, to play in this so everything from standard data interoperability to you know illustrating what the art of the possible is so it's really fun and exciting time now for local public services more and more are realizing kind of the value of digital and technology to do things differently and also the topic of today enable successful collaboration you're right georgina it is a really exciting time to be sort of working to bring together that that local public services and then the public safety ecosystem together so you've mentioned some of Tech UK's work around collaboration. Would you mind sharing some of the milestones that we've reached recently? Yeah, no, of course. And there's probably quite a few, but I would say the one that kind of sticks to my mind is Tech UK being co-publishers of the local digital declaration last year. So that was last summer, and it was great to work closely with the Ministry for Housing and Local Government that launched the declaration, and it was co-designed with local authorities and also the government digital service. But it was very much a um, a step change. So that de declaration is a set of principles and ambitions for local public services to sign up to. So just to kind of confirm as well, not just for councils, but also across emergency services, I believe two fire and rescue services have signed up as well, which is fantastic. And hopefully more will as well. But it's all about providing a set of principles for local public services to sign up to and to commit to do things differently to enable collaboration. So by that I mean a senior officer, an elected member have to sign up to it, which is fantastic that senior leadership are part of this journey because technology is actually most of the time the easy stuff. It's about creating the conditions and culture internally that empowers um, colleagues and teams to be innovative and you know put new ideas across to others so having that senior leadership 
buying um, is a good starting point. And going back to Tech UK's role in this, we were really happy to be co-publishers and we recognise the challenge put to suppliers. And also, as I mentioned earlier, suppliers have a key role to play in this um, and they are a key part of the digital transformation journey for local public services. So last year we held the first unconference here at Tech UK, inviting the market to put their kind of their response or what can they do in support of realising the digital declaration ambition. So I think that's that's something quite significant where industry can really get involved and work alongside local public services. Another thing for us, I guess, is really evangelising the benefits technology can enable when it comes to collaboration. So earlier on this year, together with Jess, we launched our place-based campaign week and there's an array of guest blogs from industry and stakeholders talking about you know what do we mean by play space and apologies if I'm throwing lots of jargon already into this <laughs> podcast but if you do check out the Tech UK website and find the play space week you'll get a bit more information or not a bit <laughs> a lot more information <laughs> on what we mean by place space and ultimately that means local public services working across boundaries to tackle problems they face and ultimately delivering improved outcomes for citizens and technology has a key role to play in that it's instinctively collaborative and I think most important it's the enabling platform to make this a reality and finally we are launching a public safety paper this month that looks at everything from the tools and technologies to what needs to happen in terms of internal cultures to foster collaboration that will enable improved outcomes for public safety so lots of great case studies and recommendations in that for local public services and industry as well so it should be a good read check it out may i ask why now why is tech uk kicking this multi-agency collaboration piece of work into gear Great question, and I guess I would say, why not now? This isn't something new, whether we talk about a place-based approach at a local level or, or multi-agency working. These aren't new ideas or, or concepts, but we're at a stage now where we are seeing also kind of that greater appetite from both industry and local government to do things differently. And that's, you know, partly due to financial constraints, local public services realising actually they can't face these challenges alone. It needs to be a cross-place or regional approach. So very much an ecosystem, which is something that Take UK has very much championed. And we're also seeing some great initiatives in response to stakeholder calls for improved industry collaboration. An example of that is our interoperability work, which is, you know, in its early development. So anyone that is keen to be involved and join that, do get in touch with either myself or Jess. In the last few years as well, we've seen some new Metro mayors 
be elected. And Tech UK has done lots of work around digital devolution, calling for the appointment of regional chief digital officers, but also for the metro mayors to leverage their unique position to bring together local public service players to create places where citizens want to live, work and find. So there's lots of factors and variables happening now that are moving in the right direction that enables collaboration to actually happen and I know collaboration can be another buzzword and it's not the easiest thing to do especially when you take into consideration um, you know the political nature at the local level but that's why our, our paper looks at the technologies that can enable collaboration but also provides some recommendations to create the culture for improved transformation. Thank you. Yeah, I think there is certainly that appetite uh, coming from public sector and private sector to make, you know, this elusive collaboration much more than just that buzzword ambition. Okay, well, Georgina, thank you so much uh, for your insight and sort of sharing a bit about what Tech UK do here. It's been really great to um, be able to chat to you about it. Um, thank you very much for joining me today. Thank you. I'm now joined by Mayen Liao from Southwark Council. Hi Mayen, how are you? Hi Jessica, I'm really good. Thank you for inviting me. Thank you for joining us. Um, would you mind just taking a second to introduce yourself um, and what you do at Southwark? I'm the Head of Digital Delivery at Southwark Council. I've been there close to two years now and the team and I have been looking at how we can build and improve our services using a more user-centered and service design approach and also delivering our digital IT and transformation strategies at, at the same time. So in, in terms of our current focus, we've been looking at improving connectivity in the bar's broadband hotspots. Um, alarmingly enough, even though we're very central, there's a lot of hotspots that we have in, in Southwark, and we're actually looking at bringing like gigabit broadband to those areas. And also, we've been looking at improving a number of our high-volume services, such as housing repairs and planning. So there's a lot going on at the moment for the team and I. Excellent. It's great to see that digital really is sitting at the heart of all of the service improvements that you're looking to deliver in Southwark Council. There are a couple of milestones that I think we should talk about. The first of which is that you were co-publishers of the Local Digital Declaration and you've recently secured funding from the Local Digital Fund for two projects that help to make the life of residents easier. Would you mind sharing a bit more about those two milestones? Sure. Um, we, were, we were very fortunate actually to kind of win those two discoveries. So one of them is for housing repairs. So we want to look at whether a common service pattern was actually possible and not just be used by Southwark and our partner authorities, but as a template really for a lot of other local authorities when they're looking at how to offer a housing repairs service um, online. And then our second discovery was on planning back office. So we want to look at getting you know, fit for purpose, modern user-centered design planning back office system that's not only great for our residents, but also great for our planners. So those are the two discoveries that um, we want funding for. 
Um, and, and from that, you know, it's been a really interesting journey because it's been quite hard work getting all of the expressions of interest in. We actually submitted 13 um, alone for Southwark, and we had to get 20 plus authorities signed up as, as partners to that. Wow. And 12 of those were shortlisted. Again, we were very fortunate in that regard, and two of those were funded out of the 16 selected um, nationally. So it's been quite an interesting journey for us, and that was obviously the first time we've actually tried for, for the funding, and obviously it's the first launch. So it was lots of lessons learned in that, in that regard, getting there. I can imagine. So you talk about the prerequisite for applying to funding, which was around partnering up with other agencies, other councils, public service providers. How did you find that experience? And would you mind sort of sharing some of the lessons that you have learned that we can sort of take to that template for other local authorities that you mentioned? Sure. Um, it's really hard work, <laughs> <laughs> completely um, frank. Um, we had to leverage a lot of our uh, contacts and networks but also engage our heads of service and our directors and ask them to also go and find um, authorities that were interested in the 13 um, applications that we were putting forward. And a lot of it was you know, having those kind of face-to-face -face conversations or telephone calls just to marry up that each authority was in the right place. Because obviously, you know, if our contracts weren't at the time for renewal or in terms of transformation progress, we weren't synced up, it was going to be too difficult for us to kind of be partners. So there was a lot of, you know, who's ready, who's not, crossing them off the list and then making sure we were all aligned. And then not only did we have to get internal agreement in terms of in our own authority, we had to get all the senior management and all the partner authorities to kind of agree and sign up um, to each of the applications. So it was a lot of work, and frankly, I nearly killed the team <laughs> doing it. Um, but we, we got there, and definitely that's a lesson learned for us and other authorities, that if you want to be ready to apply for external funding, whether it's MHCLG or you know, other government funding, you almost have to have a ready-made list of problem areas or challenges and actually um, identify authorities who are actually willing to work with you because a number of these um, applications and funding that's coming up is mandating that you have to collaborate with, with other authorities. So having that kind of ready list just makes it a lot easier so you're not starting from, from scratch, which we were, and that's why it took so much work. So that's definitely a lesson learned for, for us. And we're actually continuing to, as part of our engagement process internally, we're keeping that list updated and keeping an eye out for external funding as we go. Just so, again, when, some, when a fund comes up, and usually they have very short application process and timetables, we're not scrambling again because we all have day jobs. We still have to do what, what we're hired to do in terms of our role in digital transformation and doing all of that on top of it is really exhausting <laughs> but again we were we were very lucky and successful in that regard yeah well I mean it sounds like you weren't lucky but you you earned it and what a determined group of people you get to work with um you mentioned a few times that senior level buy-in and sort of senior or executive level interest was on your to-do list uh, of getting people engaged how important has that been and has this been helped by the, the work you did in the declaration? Absolutely, because 
it definitely helps that it's not using internal budget and resources, given that councils already stretch in terms of budget. Having this external fund to actually solve some of our complex and gnarly problems that's been around for quite a long time has been really helpful because that actually helps de-risk um, the, the financial aspect of it. So for senior management, it was almost like a win-win situation. Not only were we collaborating with other authorities and making sure all of that risk is shared and we get perspective from different authorities, but also because it was externally funded, we could do it in the way that you know, service design more user-centered way instead of usually we just go out and try to buy a solution to fix the problem. So in that regard, the decoration, the principles, as well as the digital fund actually enable us to actually do it in, in the way that we would like to rather than your more kind of traditional way. So user centricity has come up a couple of times already and it is one of the principles of the digital declaration. How have you been building that user focus into the work that you've been doing and how do you look how are you looking to do that in the in the coming phases of your project? So for the two discoveries, I mean, we went out and did a lot of user research. For housing repairs alone, like we listened to over 100 plus um, calls that came in about housing repairs, and we went out to not only um, did research with our residents in Southwark, with the different four authorities as well, so that's Lincoln, Gravesham, and Lewisham Homes. And as authorities, we're, we're very different, not only from the number of properties that we maintain, our, you know, our social demographics are also very different, and we're geographically um, different um, as well. So all of that research has been brought in and we've developed the behaviours, the needs um, for all those different personas that Orange Maple is a company that helped us um, do that. Um, so we've, we kind of use that to understand what actually a resident would want for a repairs service and then start looking at how we can build a solution that meets their needs. So. The fund, as well as that ability to work with the different authorities, have allowed us to not only just take um, needs for one set of residents into consideration, we're actually taking a whole lot of different residents and from different areas into consideration. So hopefully when we, when we build that common service pattern, it should be able to meet the needs of not just one borough, but a number of different boroughs with different demographics. What a fantastic opportunity it's been to engage so meaningfully with your citizens. So, so much of this has been focused on building collaboration across other local authorities. Is there anything particularly unique that the fund um, has given you in terms of an opportunity for collaboration? From, from, our, experience, from our experience, definitely. So the decoration and hence the money that's been made available through the fund has actually allowed us to work with authorities that we wouldn't have necessarily had the opportunity to. So again, for the housing repairs, there were Southern, Lewisham Homes, Lincoln and Gravesham. Uh, we would have never come together as a group, really, if it wasn't for the fund and MHCLG's uh, ability to kind of bring together everyone who is interested and allowing us to go just beyond, I guess, like the London boroughs um, and then those four authorities, again, as I said, they're very, we're very different. 
we're not close to each other other than Southwark and Lewisham, but we are in the right place in terms of the transformation state. Obviously, housing repairs is really important for the four authorities. And as such, that opportunity has allowed us to come together and solve this problem together. So again, we don't really want to be starting from zero whenever each authority is looking at housing repairs. So we can learn from each other, understand the differences, and again, the common service pattern that comes out of it is stronger as a result and can be applied to, to more authorities. So I think that's the unique part of the decoration and the fun, that, that kind of almost matchmaking um, ability and opportunity for authorities to come across from all over the UK to work together where it's right for them and it's a priority challenge area for them. Fantastic. It's so positive to hear such a great story coming out of it already. Uh, so final question, I guess, is what would you uh, share or what could you share with other public sector organisations, whether that be local authorities or public safety agencies, um, to work more collaboratively? And do you see a role for suppliers, as in the tech sector, do you see a role for us to play in, in enabling that collaboration? Absolutely. In terms of from the supplier and the tech side of things, it's the companies and the SMEs that actually have the innovative solutions and, and products. And we need more of that collaboration together to solve the complex problems that we have. Because as authorities, we'll probably have a very um, traditional aspect of how, how we do things. And as technology moves so fast, we need those SMEs and the companies come to us and say, here's what we could actually do and help you do it differently. But it's also from a council perspective, we need to not to be afraid to go out and engage with suppliers and have that early market engagement when we're looking for um, a solution. So that that's, I think, where we're kind of missing out a bit. So we mm -hmm. need to be able to encourage more of those activities to, to kind of go on so that we've got more ideas, uh, more ways to actually solve the problems that we have. And, you know, in terms of what MHCLG's decoration and fun has actually proved is that collaboration is possible and it doesn't necessarily have to be complicated or, or difficult. Mm. I mean, I'll, I'll hold my hand up when, when we did apply. I was really worried that having four authorities and trying to get all of their needs together, let alone just one authority, would be, frankly, a nightmare. But actually, we've worked really well, and we've found so much commonalities. So all the problems and challenges we face on those two discoveries are similar across all of the authorities and, and partners, and there's actually very few local differences. So in that regard, and from our experience, collaboration is definitely possible, and we can, we can work together to solve the problems that we have. Oh, fantastic. Such, such a positive story, and I like the enthusiasm for, for uh, building this out. Um, that brings us to the end of, end of my questions, really, but I just want to say thank you very much for joining me and sharing your experience. I think there are some important lessons learned that not only uh, can be replicated across other local authorities, but public sector organisations in general. Um, thank you very much, Mayen. Thank you so much. And I am joined uh, by our final guest today, Mark Goosens. 
Mark, why don't you introduce yourself quickly? Hi, yes. Yeah, so um, I'm uh, Mark Goosens from IBM. I look after the Home Office and Police at IBM and I'm here today with my Justices and Emergency Services hat on for Tech UK. We're uh, starting to do an interoperability initiative for policing and I'm leading the working group on that. Excellent. Uh, so we've talked a lot about collaboration today uh, from all of our guests and it's really great to see this consistent ambition across the ecosystem. And now, now really we're at the stage of turning that ambition into a reality. So an interesting challenge here comes from the fact that now suppliers, commercial entities, would need to start to provide, like you've said, a more interoperable um, series of services and solutions. Are you experiencing an appetite for this? Yeah, we're getting a great reaction from both suppliers and law enforcement themselves. At Tech UK, as I said, we've just started this initiative with our member software suppliers to start to drive interoperability between different provider solutions. What we're trying to do is get the software hooks and gateways into their products to make it easier to get the data in and out. The old closed proprietary way where software suppliers lock customers into their solutions just doesn't work anymore and it stifles innovation. The interoperability initiative that we're trying to drive forwards intends to bring together suppliers to solve these problems themselves. And so far, we're getting very positive engagement from these suppliers, especially the fleeter of foot, innovative, smaller suppliers. Don't get me wrong, I'm under no illusion there'll be loads of hurdles to overcome. Larger companies will wonder exactly why they should engage beyond just being good community players, although a couple of really large software suppliers have already shown some serious intent. Similarly, there'll inevitably be a bunch of challenges coming from the user community. Where's this data going? Who can see it? What's the security? All that kind of stuff. So how did you get here to lead this interoperability initiative that Tech UK is embarking upon? For me, this has been a bit of a journey. Uh, my first exposure to this was when I went and spent some time on patrol with the police car down in South Wales um, about six years ago. We ended up in the death through domestic violence incident where the father had killed the mother in front of the children. Shocking. The tragedy was that this could have potentially been avoided had the data been joined up. There was loads of data that would have shown what was going on if only it could have been brought together. And this is an example of where people's lives could be very different. That said, the quick win with our initiative will be actually stopping police officers wasting time and potentially making errors because they're spending so much time rekeying data that's already in police computer systems. When I was then approached by a couple of Tech UK members working for software suppliers who were adamant that there was a better way to do this, it was something I was immediately keen to support. This was especially true when I saw the passion from Claire Elford, the Managing Director of Clue, who provide case management solutions to 17 UK police forces. Her passion for improving the way that police could work if we could fix this sharing of data and the obvious examples that she'd come across elsewhere in banking sector and around some of the software solutions that Clue used to run their own businesses, I could see could make a real difference. When I then started to talk to senior stakeholders in policing, like Ian Bell, CIO of the Police ICT Company, and Wayne Parks, the chair of the National Police Technology Council. It seemed apparent there was going to be real support for what we were talking about, and the timing was spot on. What's next for this work, for this interoperability initiative? So last Friday, we held our first interoperability group workshop at Tech UK. Around 50 suppliers were there, and we explained what we thought the initiative might look like and got lots of positive feedback and suggestions from suppliers. Towards the end of the workshop, I asked for a show of hands of who would be actually prepared to invest some time, effort and energy in this. And of course, that really meant a financial investment too. 
And around 90% of the room put their hands up, which I have to say felt really encouraging. So the next stage for us is we're going to convene a smaller group of companies to drive this forwards, a coalition of the willing, if you like. We'll be writing to all 300 Tech UK members of the Justices and Emergency Services over the next few days to get input from them to help us to form the working group. OK, that's really exciting. What would you like our listeners to know and how can they be involved to support this important work either as part of the working group or outside of it? So for the software suppliers, I, I would encourage them to keep an eye out for the Tech UK communications detailing the next steps. We'll be asking suppliers to write a brief manifesto as to why they should be part of the working group, what they believe they'll bring to the party, both personally and from their companies. Assuming we get sufficient interest, and I'm pretty confident we will based on what we saw last week, we'll select 10 or 12 SMEs and larger companies to form the working group, and then we'll drive this initiative forwards with a view to delivering some early working examples of different supplier solutions actually sharing data, and we'll write that up then with the business benefits. To your other point, for the law enforcement community, we'll be looking for them to keep an eye on this initiative, and assuming we make progress, starting to support it. Ideally, this will be giving preferential treatment to suppliers and procurements where they're exhibiting the right behaviour by adopting this approach. In time, it'll hopefully become business as usual, where the procurement will just take into account the business benefits that will be yielded by the joining up of data and factoring this into the overall cost model. For me, this is a really exciting initiative. Absolutely, I agree, Mark, and I have to say that your enthusiasm for this is contagious. So I'm really looking forward to working with you and our members and our friends across policing to make this uh, interoperability initiative um, a successful one. Thank you for joining me today, Mark. So that brings us to an end of this month's podcast. I'd like to thank all of my guests. It's been really great being able to chat to you. To the listeners, if you would like to learn more about our interoperability initiative to support policing, check out our Justice and Emergency Services program page on the Tech UK website, www.techuk.org. Thanks for listening. <laughs>